This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 643 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Arena Saddles, and Total Saddle Fit. On tonight's episode, we have Lahua Custard back on the show to discuss her stallion Fortunato H2O. After that, we chat with national third-level freestyle winner Taryn Anderson. B. Anderson, no relation, is back with another great trainer tip. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hello, Phil. Hi, Reese. How's it going? Well, I mean, we were off last week because you were busy, busy, busy competing at nationals and and hosting people at your farm. And (laughs) it was crazy. Yes. It was a crazy week. It was crazy. Nationals is always crazy just because I became really popular that week. Um, <laughs> I'd like to say I'm that popular, but I think my facility is that popular. So that's nice, but no, we had some great guests in from California. We so enjoyed them, uh, because that is a little trick with nationals. When you qualify here, you can only get into the horse park at certain times. And that's tricky, especially if you're coming from out West and your, your horses need to get here and settle. Um, a lot of times the planes will come in on like Saturday but um, you can't move into the horse park, I think, until Tuesday or Wednesday. So you kind of do have to have a friend or, or a layover place or somewhere to go here in Lexington. So we had some great guests from California. So that was super fun. And uh, Big Mike, um, you know, he qualified for the Intermediate One Championships. So I took him over on Thursday and I was so proud of him. He was really good. He, I had a very good I won um, on Thursday. I was pretty happy with him. Uh, and he's, again, pretty green. He did his first intermediate one in March. So, um, you know, he's only done like six of them or something. But um, he was great. Super good outside in the Jumbotron. I didn't even, I didn't even take him over. <laughs> I was a bad mom because I rode early. I rode at like 8.45. So... I like, we got him ready here at the barn and then we took him over and then the horses have to stay at the horse park for nationals. So we, uh, we braided him, got him ready. We had the stall all ready to go. And, uh, so I was really happy with them. Um, he made one little bobble and I made one little bobble. I, I'm not going to lie. I almost forgot the test. He felt so good, Phil. I thought I was riding the Grand Prix and I was like, Oh, it's the I won. I don't know what I was doing. Uh, my, my sister who was very kindly coaching me was like, what? I was like, don't, I don't know. Don't ask. I just, he just felt so good. I had the best extended trot and it just, I just felt like he was ready for the Grand Prix, I guess. And then, uh, one of the other things about nationals when you come here is knowing at a big competition, you can't just walk or school in the arenas. And that's really important to know. So you really have to check the schedules. You really have to sort of be up to date on those. Um, they're pretty good. They don't really change them. So on Friday morning, I could only get him into the Alltech on Friday morning from 6 to 6.30 a.m. So I went over really quickly and um, 
thank goodness the nannies fed him his breakfast. So he had eaten and I took him down and we walked for half an hour in the stadium. But that all tech stadium is 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 a tough one. It's it's a big, big environment. And that was the biggest environment Mike has ever seen. So um he was a really good boy. He just felt green once we got in the stadium. So um there's also because of the live stream, and this is very much how they do it at a CDI too. You can't enter. You enter two minutes before your time. So you don't get a lot of time in there either. So in the warm up at the horse park, it, it's pretty small in the Alltech, and it's a weird feeling because it's really tall and narrow. So it gives you this weird, or me, particular. I mean, I haven't asked anyone else really, but I feel very claustrophobic in that arena. So it, it's a little bit of a funny feeling when you warm up if you're not used to that feeling. Um, and and I've warmed up there before, but every time it sort of rocks me. I have to remember that it's a funny funny feeling in there. And, um, then you go down, you know, through the tunnel, they have to go through a tunnel and then they kind of pop up into the arena and it's, it's a big stadium and there's a jumbotron and there's all kinds of it's got things. A real, it's got a real CDI international yes. feeling, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's a big venue. It's a big venue. So big Mike went in there and, uh, I, I only got like three quarters of the way around the ring the first way. I to the I was entering on the left was my plan, and I had planned to go around both directions, but I didn't get all the way around. They rung the bell. I like got all, like three quarters of the way around, and then I turned and then went the other way. So he really didn't get a lot of time in there, uh, you know. That, and that's fair. That's what everybody gets. It's not. It wasn't. It's not a comment other than that's what happens. And so I got to X. And I saluted and I just tell him to go, <gasps> he just took this massive breath, <laughs> which um, he doesn't normally do. Normally he's pretty confident out there. So uh, I think it was a great experience for him. I, I, I finished mid pack maybe. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't our best test. He broke in the first extended trot. I should have adjusted a little more again. That's what he'll do when he's tight. He hasn't done it in a long time. So I just didn't adjust quickly enough. And uh, then we had an unfortunate poo-poo and the canter work. And Big Mike can't possibly canter and do a canter zigzag while having a potty <laughs> break. So that was unfortunate. So I had I had some kind of bigger mistakes. So I wasn't unhappy, but his uh, his pirouettes were the best they've done. His uh, changes were a highlight. So there were some definite highlights to the test. So I was pleased with them, and uh, you know he was he was a big boy. So it was it was fun, and um, he came home. It was funny because he was gone like not even forty eight hours. <laughs> And he came home and he was like, uh, I got, I got some things to tell you, bingo. <laughs> bingo <laughs> he was not impressed. It was, it was funny. He was just like, yeah, yeah, son. <laughs> so, uh, it was a fun experience, but it is really a fun, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did it. It, you know, it's expensive, but, um, it's, it's really, if you qualify, I tell everyone, if you qualify, you should go and, and do it. And, um, I had some other students that qualified and that was super fun. Both of them actually, uh, Alston Kerr was uh, ninth in the first level freestyle, which is incredibly competitive. I think she was ninth with the 72, um, percent, like super competitive. And then Mandy Enfinger was seventh in her third level freestyle. So that was really exciting on Sunday. And the other thing I keep telling people yeah, got a pack for all seasons because <laughs> yeah. we really, it was really um, right there in November. The Kentucky weather changes dramatically. And uh, unfortunately, it's like sort of always around the week of finals. <laughs> so the weather is always a challenge there. 
And for me too, like it just even living here in Kentucky, you know, but our weather hasn't changed. Uh, and my horses don't work outside in that, right? <laughs> like I'm inside uh, fair weather riding. So it is, it, that's always a challenge to that competition. So, cause when Mike went on Thursday, it was, be- it was windy actually, but it was like 75 degrees. Um, then Mike actually did his, you know, was inside, so it didn't matter, but, um, yeah, it's always, it's always an adventure for sure. So, yeah. So, uh, we've got in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be grabbing some people that were at the competition and, and telling their stories. So I'm excited, uh, to, to share them because there's so many fun stories that come out of that competition, and we're going to try and share as many as we can with you. And even if it, you know, again, it's a huge accomplishment even to make it there. And I think you feel that when you are in the barns, like people are really happy to be there and they've worked really hard to get there. So if you ever qualify, come, really come. Like it, it, I always tell that to people, you will not um, be disappointed. And, uh, you know, you can always look us up and usually Phil comes down. He didn't come down this time. So <laughs> I was on my own. so uh but it was it was a good it was a good week so um we're gonna get right into it we've got a couple guests from the horse show in, in the next couple weeks like i said but we're gonna have a break from kentucky performance products now she swallowed hard as they walked into the start box she could feel his muscles tense under her leg five four three two one have a great ride she didn't have to ask He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability, Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, tonight we're so excited to have Lahula Custer back on the show to talk about her wonderful stallion, Fortunato H2O. Welcome back, Lahua. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, you have had quite a summer and we loved, you know, your story of coaching in Tokyo, but then you get back from Tokyo and you're getting your stallion ready for Devin. Like this was huge where he was the grand champion. Wow. Yeah. How'd you do that? Yeah, it was, it was great. Well, I have to be honest. I actually didn't enter him until about three days before the show. <laughs> it was a bit of a last minute thing. Yeah. Because I had been gone and I had a wonderful uh, friend trainer riding him while I was gone. So he stayed in work, but I was not up to par in my mind. I hadn't been riding for a month. That was a hard thing. I didn't ride for almost a whole month. And I get back and I spoke with his breeder for a little while, Tuna's breeder. And she said, you know, you should try and bring him up to Devon. He might do quite well in the stallion division. And I thought, well, it's just not possible. I've been gone and, you know, I haven't really been riding him. And the horse show entries were already due. And so we contacted the management and they said, oh, sure, we can do a late entry 
And so we entered him on, I think, a Friday, and then the entry, you know, the times came out on Sunday, and I said, oh, I better load up the horse trailer and get on up there. So and then I left on Monday. <laughs> so it was a little bit last minute and a little unexpected, but at the same time, I was really excited for the opportunity, and it paid off. Uh, this was his third time going, and I was excited to show him as a mature horse because he went as a foal. He was born in New Jersey and I lived in California at the time. And I thought, you know, this is at the time I thought this is my only opportunity to have a horse compete at Devon because I live on the West coast. And so I begged the breeder to take him as a foal and he got fourth place in the foal division. And then he shipped out to California and I found myself back on the East coast when he was three. So I did bring him as a three-year-old and he did pretty well. He, got a 10 on his walk in hand wow. and won his, his, uh, three-year-old Colts, I believe it was division. And then went on and did pretty well under saddle as well. He ended up with the reserve champion material. So, and that was only under saddle, like maybe 90 days at that point. So it was a really great show in itself. And I thought, you know, this is, this is great. I went to Devon and my horse did great. And you know, what a <laughs> wonderful three-year-old year. And now it's just a complete, dream I didn't know I could have come true. So it was, it was amazing. Maybe you could, uh, you know, wind it back a little bit and, and tell us how like you connected to the breeder and how you, you bought a foal, obviously, uh, pre weaning, I assume. And, and, and then, and then, you know, you, you didn't, uh, you didn't geld the horse. So, you know, what, what is that story and, and how did you find him and, you know, go back and give us, give us a little history. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. Actually. I, I love, training up young horses. So I worked for a breeder and trainer, Hilda Gurney, for 10 years and spent a lot of time paying attention to bloodlines and riding, you know, horses that I saw as foals and riding them up the levels. And I just, it's my favorite thing. So I had a horse that Hilda had bred and I had trained him to Grand Prix and I knew he'd be looking, I'd be looking for his next owner and I needed to look for my next project. So I spent about two years kind of shopping online and looking at what the breeders had in my area in California. And one night I'm sitting on the couch with my roommate and I see a picture of this bright chestnut foal, one leg out, still laying down, big white blaze. And I literally jumped off the sofa and I said, this is my horse. And my roommate looked at me and she's like, it's a brand new baby. He's 10 minutes old. I said, this, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's this, this is my horse. This is my horse. I mean, how ridiculous is that? I've never done such a thing, but I just thought, I don't know. I had this feeling and I was specifically looking for a stallion prospect. I, I had trained up and presented stallions for Tricaner and other registries in the past. And I, I wanted to own one of my own. So specifically looking for a stallion. And so I messaged the breeder. I didn't know her. Um, I messaged her. I said, is this full for sale? And she said, yeah. Um, and it took me a month to get the funds together. And she waited. The breeder waited. I'm sure she had a ton of offers. She's a beautiful foal. And I had just been kind of walking around my barn every day, just muttering about this foal. And finally, one of my clients pulled me aside and she's like, stop. I want to help you. And you obviously need this foal. And she loaned me the money. I did not ask. I would never, I would never ask. And I paid her back with interest and 
in time and she she helps me make it happen and she won't let me say who's her name <laughs> to this day and she helped me make it happen and he ended up just being a super horse and yeah he he's just been really cool and I hoped each step along the way of raising him that he would prove to be a good stallion prospect and he's a hundred percent exceeded those expectations every single step of the way he's got an amazing attitude I you know, stable him completely normal. I don't have any special accommodations. He doesn't have a stallion door. He doesn't go out in a special paddock with stallion fencing. I cross time next to mares. He's, he's just a good guy. He's at a very busy barn with tons of horses in the arena all the time. And he just doesn't bat an eye and he's got foals on the ground. He's easy to collect. He's, you know, just, just a good character um, and he has nice movement and he's easy to ride and I can throw anyone on him. He's, he's just great. So, so far, so far, so good. <laughs> and at five years old, I think that's pretty good. That's probably going to be his character. So I'm very happy that now he's uh, going through the approvals and licensed with a few registries and kind of legitimizing himself in that way. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about that because he went from Devon and, and a little while later you, you you took him to Hilltop Farm for, you know, the, the what is it, the North American Stallion Approval Process. So maybe you can yeah. just um, educate us all on, on what's involved there. Sure. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I took him up to Devon and one of the things I had decided is if I would take him to Devon because obviously the stallion testing was my original priority that because I live in Florida, I wasn't going to drive him back and forth. So I took him up to Devon, competed there. I also did the under saddle division and he was fantastic. Of course, he would just behaved like a gem. I think he was one of the only stallions in the material class with all the mares and he was such a good boy. So that was really fun. Uh, so I finished with that and then I begged one of my friends up in the area to keep him for a few weeks so he wouldn't have to travel back and forth. And so she agreed and rode him for a few weeks. And then I met back up with him right before the testing and drove him from New Jersey over to Maryland. And we got to do the testing. And that was really interesting. And there was a lot that I learned. I had never really, I was at the event when he was a three-year-old at the very end of the entire testing. They do licensing. So I had taken Tuna to license, be licensed at Hilltop as a three-year-old. So I got to see the venue but I didn't know the format at all. And so arriving for the testing itself was exciting, but also realizing there was a lot of logistical things to deal with and uh, timing issues. They had judges that were remote that were using live stream and they were in Europe and, you know, with the time difference, they're watching us in the middle of the night. And so if timing got off with, with the horses and there was a gap or, you know, they ran late, it became a bit complicated for us because, our warm-up time would get affected. And so that was a bit of an issue. Uh, everyone dealt with it. So we all had the same even, you know, playing field in that way. But it was quite challenging for the young stallions to suddenly have no warm-up or way too much warm-up or we were now warming up in the dark. And those were some issues that nobody could control. But uh, now I know how to maybe prepare him differently for the second segment. Um, but he had a great character overall. Uh, I thought he did very well. He was maybe a bit tired by the end, which I think a lot of the horses dealt with. And unfortunately, in a way, the guest rider rides them at the very tail end. So the horses are a bit pooped out and she doesn't always get to feel them at their very, very best, which 
that's a disappointment, but it's just part of the process. So I was overall quite happy with him and I can't wait to present him again next year as a, you know, even more robust six-year-old. So who was the test rider? Just curious. Uh, Her name's Jessica Wisdom. She's based in the Pacific Northwest. She's a wonderful rider. Yeah. Yeah. And a nice person. She's a, she's a good one. That's fantastic. Um, So he goes back again as a six-year-old. He does. So there's a few different ways that they could get their final approvals. Standard way is to do two tests um, consecutively. So usually it's a four and a five-year-old, but COVID got in the way. And so he started as a five-year-old and he'll do his uh, final testing next year as a six-year-old. They can also get their final approvals through sport. If something happens and I somehow miss the event next year, he could, as a seven-year-old, if he's ready to show pre-St. George, could get his full approval that way. And they did say that another way is if the horses go to the Lamplight Young Horse Finals, they would, and they did quite well, as in won their division, they could use that score uh, for their testing instead of going to the full testing. So there's a couple of options, but the most standard is to do the two-part test at this point. Well, that's, uh, I mean, it's its an interesting process and, and it, you know, makes you appreciate what the stallions and the stallion owners have to go through to get their approval, you know, that it's held to a, quite a high standard so that, uh, you know, in the end, you're only going to be, be breeding to the best stallions, right? And hopefully your mare has is, is got her own quality attributes. And, and, and then we, you know, and that's how you just keep Im- improving, you know, the horses, whether it's for, because he did the, uh, I think he did the um, dressage stream, right? But there's also the jumpers yep. that were there as well. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I really want to support the the testing as a whole. I appreciate that we don't have exactly the same structure as Europe. And obviously, I don't think our horses in America would make an impact on what the, you know, the stallions in Europe would be providing, um, you know, bloodline seam and all of that. It's it's slightly different markets. So, you know, it's just a different, it's a different process here than in Europe. But I do want to support the program here in America and especially with the U S bred horse. And I really do like U S bred horses. I ride another one that is a gelding. So he wouldn't go through the testing, but he's, you know, now a Grand Prix horse and, you know, doing quite well. So it's fun to feel like I'm supporting the, the market, I suppose in America. And yeah, like you said, going through the testing, it helps the mare owners to understand what to look for, what the stallions can provide and, you know, what's available. So having a horse that passes through the testing and gets good remarks, you know, they know they're getting a horse that would be a solid match for their, for their mare potentially. That's fantastic. Well, we can't wait to continue to watch your guys' journey together and see him next year when he gets approved and all the good stuff. So Lahula, how can people find you online if they want to know, learn more about Tuna and his adventures? How can they find you? Well, the easiest way would probably be to personal message me, uh, Lehua Custer, L-E-H-U-A-C-U-S-T-E-R, or LehuaCuster at gmail.com. And Fortunato H2O has his own Facebook page as well. So he answers messages. Yeah, he's a busy boy. (laughs) And he'll be available for breeding next season. That's what we want to hear. How fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks so much for sharing your journey with us. And we can't wait to continue to stay in touch with you. Thank you so much. 
With classic elegance and unbeatable quality, it's clear why Arena Saddles are the premier choice for every discerning dressage rider. The comfort and style of a beautifully crafted Arena Dressage Saddle will help you and your horse move together in perfect harmony while you're competing or training for the dressage ring. You'll enjoy unmatched close contact that will enable you and your horse to perform in rhythmic unison and catch any judge's eye. When you experience the ultra-soft seats and knee inserts, a perfectly balanced seat, customizable rider support, and extra protective cushioning, you'll see why Arena Saddles are known for their beauty, comfort, and practicality. Priced at just $1,599, the Arena Dressage Saddle is the saddle for you. Visit arenasaddles.com to view the full range of saddles available and find a retailer near you. We're the Healthy Critters Crew. I'm Tigger. I'm Patty. And I'm Coach Jen. If you're a horse lover, dog lover, cat lover, llama lover, chicken lover, parrot lover, paw and hooves and feathers lover, Healthy Critters is for you. We have fascinating guests, nutrition tips, information on various critters, and the only talking Pomeranian dog on the radio. Hello, everyone. Join us for our bi-monthly laughter-filled romps on HRN. Brought to you by Biostar U.S. Well, tonight we are so happy to have my new friend, Taryn Anderson. I met her here at the U.S. Finals in Kentucky. Taryn, welcome to the show. Hi. Well, I met you in an amazing award ceremony in which you won the third level freestyle. So I got to come in and you were all dressed up and it was so fun to see you. So tell us a little bit about your horse that won the freestyle and he was third in the third level technical test. So tell us a little bit about him. So his name is First Romanov. He's first choice blue horse Romanov and he's seven. So I actually just recently got him and I think it was February, um, but he didn't arrive uh, into Colorado until like March. So he's seven. My goal with him is to hopefully do the CDIs. But the reason why I got him really was because I had gone out to Florida and tried to do the CDIs, but I didn't really do that well. <laughs> so Girl, I'm it's just, hard. I'm, trying to- I'm gonna tell you, it's, yeah, it's a hard game down there. <laughs> you have no idea. And then you get a then you get down there and you're like, oh, wow. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I'm not competitive in this. So I was training with George Williams, went down there for Florida, tried to compete lower scores. And so my dad was kind of like, okay, so what's it take to do these CDIs? What do we need to do? And George was like, well, you kind of need a horse. <laughs> so we went went and started looking over at Helgstrand. So we, um, I tried a bunch of horses over there. We call him Enzo is his barn name. So came out, rode him, and George rode him, loved him. Uh, so that was that. We got him. And this is a, my first show season with him. So we, and it's his first time showing too. He wasn't shown before this. He had done some stallion shows, I guess, back um, in Denmark, but uh, not like dressage tests or anything like that. So we just, I decided to take him out at third level. He had like, when I first got him, a wonky change one direction, a clean change the other direction. And I mean, he's like, super trainable, really easy, doesn't really have much tension. And when it comes to like training or anything, 
So came out third level and now he's like starting to do, I mean, I can do a line of threes and fours on him, some twos sometimes. So, um, he's just really cool. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. so different having a horse like that. That's like, okay, I'll do whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. So tell us a little bit about your, your show season and how that, uh, you know, what was your first show of the season and how did you progress to, uh, getting such a, incredible score at, at the finals this year. Well, so we started out, like I said, this was my first time ever showing and I had no idea really what to expect. You know, once you get in the show ring, how they're going to act. Um, and he just came out and I mean, I think my first test I did third three and we got like a 73, I want to say he just kept getting, I mean, better and better. We are, I think our average ended up being like our median ended up being like a 72. And then I was, uh, I've, obviously, I want to take him to the CDIs. So when he qualified to go to Kentucky, um, everyone thought that it was a really good idea to take him just to get him like the exposure, really, and like a scenario like that. Because obviously, it's a lot different. You travel. There's way more horses there. It's just a lot more to take in. So we figured, why not? Let's just do it. And um, the first day there in Kentucky, I mean, I warmed him up. And he's he's pretty nervous in the warm up ring. I think that's like my hardest problem, my hardest thing with him, is because he's like still a little nervous around other horses. So when they come close to him, he'll kind of like scoot out of the way. So managing the warm up can be a little bit hard. But I took him in the all tech ring. He was pretty nervous. And then um, that first day at Kentucky, I took him out and. Uh, I did my freestyle and he got a 78.5 in the freestyle. <laughs> so, so he cool. just went in. I know it was, cre- it was the highest score I've ever gotten. So I was pretty excited and it was cool because it was in the all tech ring and, you know, they like announced it over the scoreboard and George was like, Oh my God, like we couldn't <laughs> believe it. And, um, he was really good. I've been like really working on getting him in the ring and like, actually, cause I'm still learning to ride him too. And it's kind of like a lot of horse for me to ride. So um, just like getting him the forward that everybody really wants to see in the show ring. I've been really working on that. It's not like he's like really behind my leg, but he can be like a little slower in the ring than I want him to be. So I came out and George was like, well, he's still a little behind your leg. So come to the third level freestyle. My goal was, okay. I need to get this horse forward. I need to ride him. Like everybody wants me to ride him. So like, that was my goal in the ring. And I feel like the day on the final or for my third freestyle, I got that from him. Um, even though we had like a few little spooky moments and I couldn't really get him in one of the corners cause he was spooking, but I, I like got a good forward horse and that's what my main goal was really to like, get that feeling in the show ring so I can hopefully take that over into Florida. So uh, tell us, uh, I mean, it's a freestyle. So tell us a little bit about your music and how all of that uh, came together. So um, well, you know, like who picked the music? Well, how did... My mom picked it out, but this is like kind of an interesting part of the story. Um, so the third level freestyle was never our, like, we didn't think we were going to do that because we hadn't at the beginning of the show season really thought about, going to Kentucky. But then when he was doing so well and everyone kind of thought that it was a good idea, I put my um, third level freestyle together and it's actually the music from my mom's mare. And I wrote third level 
with that same exact music and she actually won that same freestyle in Kentucky too. Oh so, wow. Um yeah, so the, the, judges, the judges like it. <laughs> That's a good freestyle. Yeah, so the judges really liked it. And actually he's like a little farther along in his training than she was. So I added some like the fourth level, you know, those little um the turns, the, the counter canner turns. Mm-hmm. And so I added that into it to like add a little bit of degree of difficulty. And then I did like the half pass, the flying change on the on the wall. So I added like a little, a few more things just because he was like more ready for it. So, um, yeah, that's how that came together. Apparently they really liked the music though. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So you also brought a couple other horses to Kentucky. Um, some good, some bad, some outcomes, right? It was a challenging week. It sounds like. It really was because I mean, so Romulus is my horse. That's like my heart horse. I bought him with my own money. I've trained him up all by myself. Well, with a trainer, of course. But um, so he's really special to me. But um, what happened was he ended up being lame. So I had to scratch him for from the whole show. Um, he had like a cut on his leg two weeks, three weeks prior to coming out to Kentucky, everyone cleared him. He was totally sound. And then it blew up out there and he ended up getting cellulitis. So like, as I'm going up to my third level test, the vet told me that his blood levels were, didn't look right and suggested that he went across the street to the vet. So I am Mm. getting on my horse while having to manage getting him across the street to the vet. So it was a kind of a little crazy moment for me. And then I had to put that all behind me and go ride my ride. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's hard when you care. Yeah. I mean, that's horse showing too, right? You kind of have to hope that your team can take care of it and you move forward with what you're doing. And uh, it seems like you were able to do that. And uh, that is so scary. And one of the... good and bad things about being here in Kentucky is that there literally is a vet clinic right across the street from the horse park. I know so it was so nice. Easy. Yeah. And they oh, like that's... checked on them every day. So that was good too. And it was nice because I had one of my friends here and she took him across the street to the vet. So I knew he was in good hands and my hauler, the, um, she grabbed him, put him in his trailer and took him, put him in her trailer and took him across the street. So he was safe, but it was a little disappointing for me because, he had been doing so good this show season. Sure. And was so ready. Sure. Well, t- so. well, Taryn, tell us a little bit about. I mean, you've got some exciting things coming along. It sounds like that horse is going to be okay, and which is thank yeah. goodness. And so, tell us what do you have going forward to to Florida and and going on? You've got some exciting stuff. Right. Um, well, so my plan is to leave end of December. Um, I'm going to go train with George again because it was so successful for me last show season. So I'm, I only went for one month last time and I realized that that's like not enough time to really like get in there and like get some stuff done. So this time I'm going to go for two months. And so my goal or first Romanov, my goal is to do the developing pre-St. George on him. I want to try and get him to lamplight, I think. So I'm going to try and do some pre-St. George and developing pre-St. George stuff out there. And then with Romo, um, I'm going to do the pre-St. George with him. He's been like a, a hard horse to train because he was super tense. 
super worried in the show ring. But this year, like, was my first year where I, like, really felt like I had him. So I think that he's, I've been taking it super slow with him. I mean, we did, like, third level twice. We did four level twice. <laughs> so um, this year, I think that he's going to be ready to do the pre-St. George, though. So, like, my goal is to go out there and do some national classes with him and just get him started and where he's, like, in a good place, you know? So I'm not, like, really pushing him to do the CDIs yet. <laughs> yeah, it's that's a whole new world, but if, yeah. exciting. <laughs> well, Terry, yeah, it's a, no, sorry. thank you, and we can't wait to continue to see your career advance. Yeah. Tell us, how can we find you online? Um, well, Taryn Anderson. I also have Instagram, which is Taryn Ray eighty nine. Um, we also have a barn now, so the barn name is Lakeview Equestrian. This is like really new. We've only had it for like, since I got back from probably like, I want to say in June, I want to say we started looking for a barn once we got back from Florida. Cause that's another thing when you find, when you start training, like how I'm training right now, you come to realize like all the things that you need really like a full school dressage ring to do your freestyles in and like, somewhere where your coach can be with you all the time. So Sue Martin, she's a training at my barn too. So that's uh, another place you can find us at. Great. Oh, well, thank you so much, Taryn. And we look forward to seeing you soon in Florida. Thank you. Well, Phil, one of the exciting things that always happens during the U.S. finals is my saddle fitter comes in and so we we check all the saddles and I know you just did this as well. And, and we're a huge proponent of getting the saddles checked twice a year, if you possibly can, at least once a year. Um, but, you know, what's so cool is the saddles fit really well because we use the stretch tech shoulder relief girths and all my horses have them and they all have varying varying girths. Some like the original, some like the actual stretch tech. Uh, so it's really cool. And it was really helpful. You know, again, I always look at the quality of the girths and total saddle fit just does such a great job. They literally look the same as they looked when we purchased them. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can get your saddle fit as best as it can, but if it doesn't stay in the same place and that depends, like some horses are harder to fit than others, but you know, with the, with the shoulder relief girths, you you know, your saddle is going to be as stable as it possibly can because the horses with big round withers, they're going to shift back and forth. I mean, and, and the horses who don't have much wither, the saddle is going to ride forward. And I mean, you can talk about this uh, with your saddle fitter at the time that you have the saddle fit, or you can send Justin, uh, you know, kind of an, an email if, if you're feeling like your saddle is shifting, but the girths that we get from total saddle fit are awesome because they're going to hold your saddle in place, which makes the fit as good as it can possibly be as you ride around on your horse. And, you know, what we're trying to do is making, you know, making it easier for our horses to move better so we can get, we can get the biggest scores we can possibly get. And so, Mm -hmm. you you know, all of these things together is going to, is going to help that happen. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, as always, you can find the girths at totalsaddlefit.com and Justin and his team will take great care of you. And we have a fantastic Total Saddle Fit tip of the week from Fee Anderson now.
This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, for this week's Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, we are so excited to have FEI rider and trainer Fee Anderson on the line. Fee, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So glad you could have me. Well, you have a great Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week for us. What do you have? Well, so I often remind my riders, if if things are not happening when they're asking, I often remind them to remember to have intent behind their aids. So if somebody's asking for a canter and they're kind of not really sure about it, the horse is also not really going to be sure about it. So I ask them to always ask with intent and kind of mean your aid. That helps a lot. Yeah, I, I really like this tip because, you know, we were we were talking about um, young horse riding. And, and you know, if, if you're not convinced that, that you know, and, and getting a canter transition is a great example. If you're not convinced that y- you want to canter, the horse for sure is not going to be convinced that they must canter, right? And so, you know, you have to believe it in your mind. And then, you know, you're you're training your body for that belief and you're training from your aids into the horse that you have real conviction behind what you're talking about. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, the horses, generally speaking, don't come out for the ride and go, what would you like me to do today? Right? We, mm. we kind of have to sometimes coax them a little bit. And if we're not sure in our age that we really want them to do something, we are not going to get a good answer from the horse. And we're probably not going to get a really good quality of whatever exercise we are trying to produce. So it's important to have a very clear vision in your mind of what you would like the horse to do and then apply the correct aids with intent. Yeah. And I love this idea of a canter transition because I think this is this is a big one where people really, you know, in their mind they want to canter, but as soon as the horse starts to canter, they shut them down. And they stop. Right. And right. I, so, so tell me, how do you work with that? I mean, I think that that's, that's an important transition and I think that's a place a lot of people get stuck. Well, so I've, I find that, that some of the timid riders, they, they ask for the canter, they give a little aid with the leg, with the seat, but then they shut the, shut the horse down by squeezing with the thighs or pulling back on the rein or letting the hand go up in the air. Um, so if I have a rider that's not very secure in the tack, then we might put a bucking strap on just for a little support for the hand that allows them to allow the seat to relax into the saddle and they can open their thighs and the leg can drape down around the horse and they become more effective. And I saw, I don't remember, there was a great clinician, a girl that, that rode with her came back with a tip. She took a polo wrap, put it underneath the girth of the horse, and then the rider was holding this polo wrap with each hand as a little bit of support for the hand so it wouldn't go moving around too much in the big transitions. And that's another one that's really helpful to steady the rider and allow the rider to go down and around the horse and have more effective aids. I think a lot of times my students lack conviction in their aids or, or belief that they can make it happen just because they need a further explanation on you know where to apply the leg, how strong to apply the leg, maybe if you know when they need the whip and, and all these things. So you know it's great to just take a moment get a further clarification of, of what's going on and then go back at it with, with an, an even better idea and even more conviction. Definitely. And I, I'm very careful to always tell my students that I will not put you in a situation where I can't keep you safe. Of course, horses are horses, things happen. But if I don't feel that you're ready for that candidate part, I will not ask you to do it. And you'll often see me out in the arena 
trying to show how I would be sitting in the saddle, how I would apply my leg, how what I would do with my seat, my hips, my loin, to try and give the rider a visual. Or if I'm sitting on another horse, I will I will ride the transition, ride the movement on the other horse so they get a chance to see what I do with my body to make it happen. I think that also can be quite helpful. Yeah, no, I love it. I think it's so true. And this is a normal thing to work on, but something a lot of people struggle with. So Fee, so thank you for your total saddle fit tip of the week. And how can our listeners find you online if they have any more questions? Well, online, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. <laughs> um, <laughs> my handle is uh, Equito Dressage. It's spelled E-Q-U-I-T-O. And funny story, it's Latin and it means I ride. I love it. Yeah, just a little play on words. So, <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Fee, for coming on. Thank you for having me. So, Phil, this is our last week for our book club of the month book. It is Rider Plus Horse Equals One, How to Achieve the Fluid Dialogue that Leads to Harmonious Performance by Eckerd Miner. So we're going to review it next week. So we're really excited. It's a great book. Dog ear it up. Have, have Be ready to dog ear and have a highlighter for this one because you're going to really enjoy kind of marking it up. That's what I did. So as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, Arena Saddles, and Total Saddle Fit. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. 